Hello, podcast listeners. This is the newest educational podcast, the Georgia High School Principals Podcast, a podcast by high school principals for high school principals and all educators of Georgia. I am your host, Jim Finch, and I'm the principal of Mary Persons High School located in Forsyth, Georgia, not to be confused with Forsyth County. We're located about 20 minutes north of Macon on I-75 here in the middle Georgia area. So why do a podcast? It's uh, long been a professional goal of mine to develop a podcast as I've been inspired by several other podcasts that I've listened to. Uh, I wanted to target first high school principals and then take it from there to various jobs that are designed to support the work of high school principals. Folks like uh, superintendents, maybe assistant superintendents, athletic directors, um, RISA personnel, and so on. So what I've done is to try to capture some of the topics that high school principals deal with on a daily basis and talk about those topics in hopes that you may learn from the conversations and dialogue that this podcast presents. Feel free to provide any feedback for future topics and also feel free to share on any platform of social media. As I said, my name is Jim Finch. I'm in my 13th year as principal at Mary Persons High School and 14th year overall as a high school principal. I served one year as principal at Rutland High School in Bibb County before moving to Mary Persons. Uh, before serving as a principal in Bibb, I was an assistant principal at Peach County High School, bringing a total number of years of being an administrator to 16 years. And before being an assistant principal at Peach, I was a math teacher and coach there at Peach County High School in Fort Valley, Georgia. I'm in my 26th year overall as an educator here in Georgia. I'm married to Kelly Kennedy Finch, who is from Fort Valley in Peach County, and we've been married for 21 years. We have four children, Kennedy, who is a sophomore at Georgia Southern, Jimbo, who is a senior here at Mary Persons, uh, Carly is a third grader, and Max is a first grade student at T.G. Scott Elementary here in our district of Monroe County. Those that know me best know that I'm crazy about sports, most particularly football, but I like all kinds of sports. I like to meet new people and travel with my family. I also like to play a little golf, cook on the grill or on the egg on the weekends, and hang out with friends and family. So that's a little bit about me, as uh, this is my first time being a podcaster. So now that you know a little bit about me, uh, we'll get into the heart of the matter here, which is talking to high school principals across our state for professional learning purposes. Hopefully you'll receive some valuable knowledge from some of the best principals in the state. So. Thanks for listening to the Georgia High School Principals Podcast, a podcast by high school principals, for high school principals, and all educators in Georgia. Today's podcast is Season 1, Episode 1, and our first guest is Dr. Philip Brown, Principal of North Oconee High School. Okay, we have uh, Philip Brown with us today. He is the Principal of North Oconee High School, and that's in the Oconee County District, and uh, this is the... Um, this is the first podcast. It is season one, um, episode one of the Georgia High School Principals podcast. This is a podcast by high school principals for all of Georgia's educators. And what we want to try to do is uh, talk about some job alike duties and responsibilities in this type of podcast. And we're going to connect to all of the uh, principals across our state and uh, just talk about some uh, items that are pertinent to high school principals and uh, get some feedback. Uh, from people that are in large districts, small districts, and so on. So, Philip, thank you for joining us today. 
Thank you, Dr. Finch. Let's uh, just kick some things off first by uh, going over maybe your um, your educational resume, your background, so uh, listeners can kind of uh, come to know who Philip Brown is. Sure. Um, this is my ninth year at North County High School. Um, before this, I was a middle school principal in Oconee County, uh, at Oconee County Middle School. And before that, I was a middle school math and science teacher. Uh, in this district, I was also in Eccles County down in South Georgia, uh, as well as Camden County in Southeast Georgia. So been in uh, a number of different districts and uh, I'm really excited to have the opportunity to be at North and continue the work that we've been doing here uh, over almost the last decade. Uh, I uh, never dreamed of being a high school principal. It's one of those things that kind of happened, uh, right place, right time, uh, right situation, and it's been uh, extremely rewarding when I think about all the interactions you have on a daily basis and the complexity of the job uh, and the, the chance that you have to make a difference in, in a number of people's lives on a, on a daily basis, I think is what makes the high school principal job rewarding uh, in the same sense that it also makes it difficult knowing that you have to make make so many decisions and have interactions with so many different people uh, on a daily basis. Okay. Uh, and you are a Valdosta Wildcat, I believe. I, I am a Wildcat. Uh, us us Valdosta guys like to stick together. So, um, you know, funny thing is down the street, my rival high school is the Coney County High School, and uh, their principal is uh, Ben Wiggins, and he's a Moultrie boy, so Colquitt County and Valdosta uh, getting after a little bit. Okay, so uh, y'all just took your little rival north to Oconee District, then, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's still the same thing. You know, we don't really like each other, and we just try to beat each other <laughs> and everything. So it, work, it works out well. <laughs> so that kind of leads me into the, uh, the why. So what is your why? And, um, you know, when you think about your contributions to public education, either as a teacher or coach or principal, why is it that you do what you do? I mean, I, I think public education is, is – is one place where you can change the trajectory of somebody's life. Um, and I think that happened with me uh, as, a, as a student in public education in Valasta, that uh, there were people that were put in my life to help, help make a difference and help mold me and make me into the person that I am. And I just think that that same opportunity is here for me. Uh, and it, just knowing that each and every day when you wake up, you know, not too many people can say that each and every day they wake up and they go to work, they have an opportunity to make a difference in the lives of so many people. And in, in public education, you do. Um, you get to make, an, make a difference in, in everybody's life. So I think that that is my why. That's my reasoning behind doing what I do. Uh, and, and I think you have to continue to put that purpose and that thought uh, into your head each and every day to give you the motivation to, to make the difference in the lives of other people. Okay, well, let's uh, let's talk about your family a little bit, so uh, listeners can uh, really know who you are um, and any hobbies or special interests or anything. So my wife is an elementary school principal, uh, actually in the same district here with me, um, and uh, we have three little boys. We have an eight-year-old Landon, a six-year-old Owen, and a, a four-year-old Lincoln. Uh, so that'll keep you busy. Uh, so if you, anybody knows of a good sheetrock guy, I may have to have one in the next few years. <laughs> Uh, with boys rest around the house and breaking things. Uh, our house is really busy. It's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, each, each day is a little bit different. And, and, you know, the one thing that I've learned in parenting as is, is my kids get older is, is that it's kind of like in public education. 
um, dealing with people, and, and sometimes, you, you know, you can have three kids and they grow up in the same house and they can be completely different. Uh, so, you know, how you handle them and how you help mold them um, and help push them into the people that, you know, the potential and the, the talent you think you see there. And so that's been really fun as a parent um, and just having the opportunity to, to, to have fun with them is really uh, a hobby for me. Um, I'm uh, a terrible golfer, but I try sometimes. Uh, I'm a decent fisherman, um, depending on if the fish are biting or not. And uh, I, I just, a guy that likes to laugh and have fun and uh, thinks if you're going to come to work every day and you're going to work this hard, you better have fun with it. Um, and you make it a family atmosphere. I think that's one of the things that we've tried to do here at North Oconee is to make this school uh, into a family. And not that families don't have dysfunction, because they do, uh, but to make this in a family where people care about each other and that they want to help each other and that they work together as a team. Uh, it's one thing I see I see missing in society sometimes right now is, is that people just don't know how to function on teams. Uh, and I think we have a responsibility in schools to, to help kids understand what it's like to be a good teammate and what good teammates do. Um, so we, we try to do that through athletics, we try to do that through arts, and we try to do that through academics. So um, try to hit all our students. Well, that's good. Let's, uh, I'll say this, uh, you know, it's, I think it's hard enough for my kids to live in the house with one principal. I can't imagine your kids growing up with two principals in the house. So that's, uh, that's interesting to know that um, yeah. you're also married to a, to a principal. Yeah, but the kids, they call her the real principal. So. Yeah, she probably is. <laughs> All right, we got a couple of topics we're going to talk about with uh, Philip Brown today. And uh, one of those is personnel, and we know that um, education has kind of been suffering a little bit through a, a teacher shortage. Uh, I don't know how it is in your district or any of the other districts around the state, but you know, in my um, most recent experience with uh, personnel and hiring, we've kind of been scraping the bottom of the barrel. So just kind of walk us through your screening process for new hires and, and how you go about recruiting new teachers at North. Sure. Well, uh, I, and I think one of the huge advantages that we have here in Oconee is the proximity to UGA um, and the proximity to other higher educational institutions. And that really helps us when we um, start looking for new teachers. Um, uh, you know, connections between faculty and staff and, and faculty and staff at other schools is definitely helpful uh, when you start thinking about, like, who can you recruit to your school? Uh, I think in different regions of the state, in Georgia, there's going to be different advantages and different disadvantages that folks have based on where they're at. Uh, for us, it's just we're, we're looking for the right fit, and the person that fits uh, our school the most is kind of the, what we go into every mindset with when we start thinking about who we want to hire. As far as screening goes, um, we review every application, review every resume, um, and sometimes it's, you know, it's when you're reviewing resumes in the in the middle of the night or early in the morning that you find that one that's just that person that's going to be able to stand out and going to be able to come in and help your school. Um, we try to diversify our faculty, um, not only from uh, age standpoint and the years of experience standpoint, but also from um, you're trying to find people who have different experiences maybe than your students. You're trying to find people that um, who are going to be able to come in and, and connect with certain step groups of your students. Uh, so using all of those factors, we try to find the, the people that, that fit our school the best and the people that are going to come in and contribute. One thing that we tell everybody that we interview is, is that what are you bringing to the table 
um, to our school other than just teaching. So we'll say you're, you're a math teacher and you're teaching math for us. What else are you doing? What club are you sponsoring? What, what athletic team are you helping coach? Uh, what fine arts club or organization are you a part of? And, and really I think that that helps share the wealth when it comes to sharing the responsibilities that if you can say that, look, we have 100% of our faculty and staff that they're participating or they're helping in some extracurricular activity, you know, that, that means something to your parents, that means something to your students, uh, and then that also helps them be connected to your school in a, in a different way. So that's, that's kind of our mindset when we think about hiring, um, just trying to find the best people for North Dakota and, uh, and you know, and not being, uh, I guess one thing is you have to be patient in the hiring process, uh, is that you have to think, all right, what, what's the best for our school? Um, and there's a few tricks and trades to, to, to getting it better um, and, and helping, you know, helping find the right person for your school. Right. Okay. Well, you talked a little bit about your proximity to um, to University of Georgia. Do you have to reach out and go to maybe some job fairs there in North Georgia or in other areas to try to recruit new teachers, or are you just kind of sitting in a, a pretty good spot? We're, we're kind of sitting in a pretty good spot. I, I would tell you that one thing that I've done as a principal, and I actually have three of them, that, uh, three teachers that teach on our faculty right now who started out as parapros without a teaching certificate, um, and then we, we help them. Um, find the right teaching program or we help find them find the right institution to go um, to help them get their teaching certificate. So I, I, I say we raised three of them, but, but really having three folks that really knew how to build relationships with students and that could connect with, um, connect with your student body. And over time, they started out as parapros and they worked towards getting that teaching certificate so that once that teaching spot opened up, that you know, they were definitely the, the best candidate. They already knew our school. They already knew our community. Um, and they already knew our students, so it worked out perfect to be able to bring somebody like that on our staff. And we actually have three folks right now who started out as parapros and are currently teachers in our district. Okay, well, that's pretty interesting. That kind of makes me want to springboard into another question here. Do you have a preferred route for teacher certification? Um, you know, as as opposed, well, a TAP program as opposed to an MAT program. Do you have preferences of? You know, I don't have a strong preference one way or another. Um, I, I think it's like any other job. The the person who comes in and the their attitude and their their willingness to learn and their ability to connect and and you know, work with other people um, is is definitely you know if we can find the right attitude, we can work with them and help them and find supports and resources to put in place to make sure that they're successful as a teacher. Uh, so I don't, I'm not married to one route or another. Okay. Uh, when we started this subject on uh, personnel and hiring practices, I made a little mention about uh, current teacher shortage. What are your, your thoughts on that, and how do you think uh, we in the industry can uh, help mitigate that, or are there other forces at stake that are kind of taking over this? You know, I think one thing is, is that um, we have to brag on our profession, and the fact is, is that um, that I mean, as, as a teacher, I had a great job, uh, I had awesome benefits, uh, I, I was making a difference in the lives of other people, and, you know, that comes with, with some heartache sometimes, but it also comes with some, um, uh, just, it, it means something to come to work every day, uh, and, and I think, you know, it's easy to see when you're not there, the kids miss you as a teacher, uh, 
and I, and I think we have to promote it. We have to promote it within. Um, you know, I don't I don't think that you run into somebody on the street and and you know they're they're a college kid and they tell you that their major is education and the first thing out of our mouth is I wouldn't do that. I don't I don't think that's help. We're not helping ourselves when we do those kind of things and say those kind of things. So promoting it, um, knowing that that you know that within the first five years is the toughest part. So helping you know connect them to mentors, help them connect to positive people, support them, uh, work with them. Uh, you know, it, it, they're going to make mistakes. Young teachers are going to make mistakes, and new teachers are going to make mistakes. So make sure that we support those um, folks through those mistakes, help them learn um, and grow. And they're also going to bring something to the table with their energy and excitement uh, that that we also have to have to promote and have to, um, I guess, put that on display to the rest of our faculty and staff. Uh, I think I, I tell people sometimes if when we go hire teachers. Um, there, there's always there's always teachers with tons of years of experience, but sometimes we'll take the chance on a new teacher, and I say take the chance. We'll we'll hire the new person because we know that they're going to bring the enthusiasm, the energy, um, and the passion to the job that that we really want to see. So, and having when I talk about diversity and diversity of years of experience, you know, it's something that's really important because um, I've seen some faculties get extremely veteran and. Uh, or I've seen some faculties be, you know, straight brand new teachers, and I don't think you. It's difficult in a school to have success with either one of those scenarios. So having a mixture of folks and years of experience is, is definitely the way to go. Hey, you mentioned um, hiring new teachers or hiring young teachers as a way to diversify, and you talked about the support piece. Uh, does your district have, um, you know, a viable teacher induction program, or how do y'all? How do y'all handle new teachers and the orientation there? You know, right now, we, at each individual school kind of handles it the way that they want to. And for us, um, you know, it's only been two or three a year um, over, over the last few years. So those one or two or three that we bring in, they we, we really work with them and really try to uh, make sure that they feel supported and make sure that they have everything that they need to be successful uh, as a as a young teacher, we're in their classrooms all the time. We're giving them advice. Um, we, as an admin team, you know, we feel it's our responsibility for each of us to be in that classroom at least once a week uh, and giving that teacher advice and helping things and learning new things. I mean, the, you walk into to some of these classrooms and some of the things that the new teachers are doing that are they're pulling out of teacher ed when it comes to technology and when it comes to helping them uh, ask questions of students that are higher order and, and doing things with formative assessment really is very helpful for me to see as a high school principal that I can go into you know the veteran teachers and say hey you need to go down and see what this new teacher is doing they're doing some really incredible stuff so the the sharing and collaborating that can take place with new teachers is very important um, but as far as induction go goes I think the, the biggest thing is making sure that that teacher feels like there's somebody in that building they can connect with and that they can go to uh, if they get in times of need, because it's it's really difficult to be a new teacher, um, the complexity of the job it just there, there's just a lot that you have to know um, and be willing to learn. So okay. I, I think the biggest thing is having that person they can go to and connect with. Sure, like a mentor or just someone. Yes. Okay. Uh, well, let's shift a little bit and talk about interview formats. Do you have one that you're married to? Do you have a team or what is the, the format that you use? Yeah, I, 
I've used an interview team. Um, usually it's our admin team and the department head of, of that department, maybe another teacher or two in that department. Uh, depends on the job. Um, depends on why we have the opening. We may have the opening because we're growing. We may have the opening because the teacher left. Um, and so we, we try to find um, folks that sit on that interview team that are really going to look out for the best interest of our school and our students. Um, but we're, we're not really, I wouldn't say we're married to one way or another, but I, I, the team approach has been the, the one that's been the most successful and helpful for us. The, question, the type of questions that we ask are, are really broad, um, and, and we ask for a lot of scenarios and try to get information uh, with, with folks like that. Um, cool. Okay. Um, let's move on over to um, master schedule as a topic yes. as a high school principal. Um, what are the schedule of classes that you use there at North Oconee? Are you block style? Are you seven periods? We use block, but we're, we're a hybrid block, so um, we have some classes that are traditional block classes, and we have some classes that we AB, meaning that we have those classes every other day for the entire year. Um, it, it just depends, and, and mostly those classes that are AB classes, our advanced placement classes are AB, uh, and then our support classes are, are also AB, so the students have those year long, uh, but we found it you know, helpful to have traditional block classes in there as well. You have a preference, seven periods, block style. Obviously, it must be block style if you. It, it is block style. Just the the you know we we have um, our kids have 32 opportunities from the time they're freshmen to get credits and and uh, the graduation requirements 28. Uh, they can also pick up uh, four to five credits in the middle school, so you could walk in the door with four to five credits, and then you could come to the high school and. Um, be in a very good position to, to have a very good graduation rate just because of all the opportunities that students are going to have to be successful. Okay. Um, how do you do registration at, uh, at North Oconee? Is it, is it a process? When do you start it? Uh, is it all digital or, you know, how do you, how do, you do that? We, we usually start, um, I guess, December, January, we start the process. Uh, we start communicating with our parents and communicating with our students what what classes um, that we're going to potentially offer for the next school year. We have opportunities for those students to be able to sit down and, and talk with teachers. Uh, we have different parent night events where parents come in and, and get information on different CTA programs, uh, different AP programs, what the typical schedule would look like for a student. Um, and then as we move into February is really when we start asking kids to register. We ask them to, you know, pick the eight classes that they would like to have, um, as well as some alternates. We take those course requests and we build our master schedule based upon what our uh, kids request, meaning that our master schedule from year to year can look very different depending on what the students register for. Um, so we tell our AP teachers, we tell our CTAE teachers, you know, the people make the program. And so if you want to to have a successful program, you've got to market it. Kids, have, you you got to encourage the kids to get in that program. Um, those programs have got to be successful um, because if there's you know if there's an unsuccessful CTA program, it'll it'll kill itself. Um, or if there's an AP pro, AP program that's not going well, then that will that will go away. Um, so if teachers are encouraging it and the students are enjoying the class and they're learning. Um, and they're having success on the end of pathway exams and they're having success on the AP exams and then it's just going to make uh, 
make the cycle where kids want to want to enroll in those classes. So from February of taking that those schedules and building that, um, then we determine how many schedules, how many blocks we need of each class, and then we build our master schedule based upon those course requests. Okay, that's interesting. Um, let's talk a little bit about dual enrollment. Um, how does that fit inside your master schedule, and do you have any online learning labs that you provide for students, or just talk to us about dual enrollment there at North Oconee? Yeah, right Right now we have, um, in the past, we've had the University of North Georgia who's come on our campus and, and, and taught classes for us. Currently, we have Athens Tech coming out and teaching uh, English 1101 and 1102. Um, they, uh, we have juniors and seniors who are taking that class, and then also we have uh, math class. Um, we have pre-calc, and then we'll have college algebra that they'll come out and teach, as well as... Um, we have a couple of CTA pro, uh, programs that Athens Tech has that they bring out, that they have bring instructors out and teach those classes on our campus. And what we're really trying to do there is think about ways that you can just provide more student opportunities. Uh, we have seen a tremendous increase in our students going off campus, so and I think this is an issue that, that high schools are, are facing right now. There's, there's not a lot of seniors on our campus right now. Uh, we've got seniors who are dual enrolling, so seniors who are work-based learning, or seniors who are doing programs like Young Dogs, which is a program bet between us and UGA. Um, so we've got those kids who are doing all that. Um, so you, you lose some senior leadership in your school when all those kids go out, go off to your campus. Um, so it's been helpful for us to have the Athens Tech classes here on campus. It's also helpful for us to have, you know, kids that are going to take classes at the University of North Georgia. Um, we have some students who do enroll at UGA. We also have, um, we do virtual learning through Georgia Tech um, for if kids take AP Calculus, ABBC, their sophomore or junior year, um, then they can, if they qualify and they get accepted by Tech, they can take uh, Calc 2 and 3 through Georgia Tech, in which we have a, you know, 15 or 16 kids who are doing that right now. Um, which is very helpful by the time they, you know, they're juniors or seniors in high school that they've already knocked out all their calculus uh, from tech. That's a that's a pretty cool thing for them to be able to do, and, and tech helps us by making that um, a virtual class. So, cool. So once again, uh, you know, your geography there, your proximity to those uh, higher ed institutions have, have kind of helped um, facilitate the dual enrollment piece uh, quite well there because you, you have professors that are coming onto your campus and doing that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, uh, how about this? How much input do you receive on um, what teacher caseloads look like, on who teaches what? Uh, do you just, is it all admin input or do you use teachers and department chairs to kind of decide who's going to teach? Yeah, we, we have, um, we, we do dual enrollment through um, Athens Tech, or excuse me, I'm going back to your question. Uh, sorry, the announcements are going on, so I lost track of what I was saying. Um, we, we use department heads definitely to have input into that master schedule, um, and that they'll, they'll kind of write out exactly what they would like it to look like, but um, we do not, um, we, we do it ourselves. We decide on exactly what's in there. Um, as the admin team, we we want to we want to have the final decision making when it comes to making those schedules. Okay. What are uh, some other best practices that you might use there at North Oconee to kind of efficiently assign the students relative to maximizing your funding for your district? Um, 
practices that we found is you know making sure that you you cap your gifted classes at 28 and, and different things like that making sure that you have your teachers gifted certified if they're teaching uh, honors classes or AP classes just little things like that allow us to um, allow us to to take care of so many things um, and, and they help us when you know when we receive our teacher distribution for the next year uh, our allotment based upon our allotment for our school district is completely based on your FTE. So we really work hard on making sure that our gifted classes stay below 28, um, making sure that we have gifted certified teachers in there. Those are just little things that, um, that can go a long way when it comes to being able to earn FTE. Okay. Uh, let's, we've got a little bit of time left. Let's, uh, let's move over into athletics a little bit. We might ask about two or three questions uh, relative to this because we know that athletics is a huge part of, of any uh, high school. Uh, I mean, it's a huge part of the extracurricular activities. It's a huge part of your school culture. So does your school use um, a coach as the athletic director or do you employ the administ administrator as an athletic director? How do you all do that? Yeah, we, we have um, we have me and three assistant principals for our high school, which we have about 1,420 kids right now. Um, one of our administrators serves as our athletic director, okay. uh, which is very helpful to have uh, uh, one of you, the assistant principals, who is also an assistant principal, but also serves as the athletic director in that role. Um, just helps, helps our admin team. We have meetings to have that person at the table, um, and they can they see everything from an administrative point of view and you know their allegiance in the one sport is the whole athletic program so we work really hard on making sure that everything at our school matters um, we have a little slogan with everything matters and everyone matters and so um, we we try to make sure that that girls soccer is supported just as much as as baseball supported just as much as football supported much just as much as girls cross country or lacrosse or whatever sport that you're offered um, we want to put our students in the best best position to be successful. Sure. Um, I think if you read the last um, GHSA newsletter, uh, Dr. Robin Hines had some uh, remarks about sportsmanship. And so um, what are some of the ways that, that you as, as a principal or your admin team help demonstrate um, good sportsmanship or promote uh, good sports, sportsmanship and healthy competition? Sure, I, you know I think relationships between between schools. Mr. Wiggins and I here, um, being only having two high schools in Oconee County, um, two public high schools, the, the competition um, between those two schools can can be um, pretty fierce. But I, I would say that as the the leader of both of our schools, make sure we're modeling that appropriate behavior. Um, and I think it, it helps when people see, you know, you and the, the other high school principal on the sidelines laughing and cutting up. Um, and also just how you model that um, and communicating with your kids. I mean, like the other day, uh, I didn't think our kids exhibited the best sportsmanship ever during the national anthem for our first, first football game. So, you know, Monday morning on the announcements, that's something that I hit hard is, is to make sure that, Make sure we're being appropriate and all those different things. And so communicate with your kids, um, and, and then also put coaches in front of your kids who are who are going to model that and who are going to uh, understand that their why is greater than just winning or losing. Um, I think that's so important for for high school kids to have that have that connection with their coach and know that how their how their coach is going to react. 
um, when, when things go well or things don't go well. Um, and I think you can help prepare your kids for those kind of situations by having conversations um, to help them think through, like, all right, if this, this situation doesn't go well, how are we going to respond as a team? Um, so, and, I, and I think it, it's disappointing to see the number of coaches and the number of folks that are getting and, and athletes that are getting thrown out of, injected out of games and receiving unsportsmanlike um, unsportsmanlike calls. Uh, and I think the way in which um, we interact with officials, I mean, we have a huge official shortage right now in the state of Georgia. So making sure that we're being respectful of our officials and and uh, and that's something that, that all of us have to, I mean, we're all competitive. So that's something that all of us um, – you know, if you would have probably asked me a, a few years ago um, about my treatment of officials, it wasn't it wasn't where it needed to be. So that's definitely gotten better over time. So I think modeling that and, and just maturing and, and realizing that you're the leader and you're the one that everybody's looking towards is, is really important. Okay. And for, um, for our listeners here, um, Philip Brown serves as the GASSP liaison to the Georgia High School Association, so he represents uh, Georgia Association of Secondary School Principals at the GHSA level on the executive committee. And um, so this next question is going to kind of be slanted towards uh, some hot uh, topics right now at the GHSA um, as far as reclassification goes and competitive balance. So what improvements do you think uh, should be made in the GHSA to promote competition as it relates to competitive balance? Well, I don't. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to look at the Georgia athletic directors' standings uh, each and every year um, at at really the AAA level and the Quad A level right now, um, and see who's dominating those. I mean, the, those are being dominated by private schools, um, and, and you know, it just and and you know, the reasoning behind that is is the applicant pull for those schools and the opportunity those schools have to to bring students in um outside of their their local school district is is an advantage i mean there's no question about that uh so in in our school we realized that that it is what it is so we're going to try to um do everything we can to to help our kids have the best coaches and the best teachers and um to put them in a, uh, a position to be successful but so the you have the private school issue also have the the city school issue with kids coming out and you have some county schools who allow kids to come in outside their district and so from a competitive standpoint um you definitely have those issues uh i I think that um each high school principal has their unique high school and the situation that they're going to look through things um as the representative from ghsa gassp my my role and responsibility is to try to look at things globally um, and try to look at cr- across the state. And, and the issues that, that I have here at North Dakota are different than the issues that, that high school principals have in South Georgia or um, Northwest Georgia or, or other places. Um, depending on what your geographical uh, place is in the state, you can have different issues. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think the, there, there's all kinds of – we've separated public and private at the single-A level, and we, we see what that looks like. And, um at other levels, we've not made those decisions. Uh, there's the big controversy about um, should uh, folks who have a certain percentage of their students outside of the school district with the multiplier um, should they only be allowed to go up one classification, or should they be allowed, or should they be forced to go up two classifications? Um, and, and I think each person has their opinion based upon what school they're at. Um, you know, I, I think that we we've, we've seen that. Um, 
that you know that there was the discussion to move them up two classes and now um, we're back to one class so it'll be interesting to see how the executive committee votes on that all right and I believe that uh, next executive committee um, meeting is going to be September 29th and 30th so we'll know a little bit more about reclassification um, after those uh, votes are are taken in so uh, for our listeners, uh, again, we have Philip Brown on the line today to, to talk with us about personnel, master schedule. We dipped into athletics a little bit. Philip, thank you for being our first um, principal to speak with us on episode one of season one. And I uh, hope everyone there at North Oconee has a great um, you know, rest of the semester and hope you all have a great school year. Well, thank you for inviting me, Dr. Finch, and I hope uh, just because I was the first one and, and probably not the best one that you'll uh, have other people listen next time. We have better speakers like that, Mr. Wiggins, down at Oconee. Once again, I want to thank you for listening to Episode 1 of our first season here on the Georgia High School Principals Podcast, a podcast by high school principals, for high school principals, and for all educators in Georgia. I am your host, Jim Finch, and I want to thank Dr. Philip Brown, principal of North Oconee High School, as our first guest. Please feel free to share this podcast, and we look forward to recording future podcasts with other principals in our great state. For now, we're signing off. Thanks for listening.